my son could just take the, we could just pray and close right now after. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Glad that you are here. You might want to get your notes out to follow along with me. You'll need a pen or a pencil. There's a couple of fill in the blanks. And um, if you are subscribed to our app, you should have got a message if you've turned on messaging. You should have got a message that would direct you today on how you can use the online uh, version of the notes. And you can just fill them in right there uh, on your phone or your tablet, however it works. If you don't have the app, get it. I think that you'll enjoy it. It's in both platforms, uh, Google and Apple. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's go. Daniel mentioned the Israel trip. Let me throw this out too. A uh, quick update. We took 63 people with us on this trip. It was a tremendously, um, just a blessed trip. And I, I, I honestly can say that about everyone that we take. Um, my experience this time, that was my 15th time taking people to Israel. And it was the most crowded I've ever experienced it. And so if you kind of were paying attention the last couple of weeks to some of the stuff that was going on in Gaza, uh, how many of you know what I'm, what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Uh, just so that you know, and you think to yourself, oh, see, that's why I wouldn't go uh, on the trip. Those that were with me, we were not even aware it was happening yeah. until we got back to the hotel and turned on Fox News. Yeah. And then we saw from the states how bad it was in Israel. Anybody that was on the trip with me this time, raise your hand real quick. Am I telling the truth right now? Yes, sir. We did not. We had no idea. So it, it's the, I think the similar way to relate it is that, uh, no, this, this is a long time ago, but you remember when the Avs yeah. used to win <laughs> back, back that long ago? Some of you were like, I, I was born far after that day. Um, you know, last time they won the championship, if you were watching the news, downtown, people kind of went berserk. They were setting fires and turning cars over and it was all sorts of things going on. But I bet in your neighborhood, you didn't hear any of it. I bet you saw it on the news. And that's an equivalent. Now, of course, you go, well, you know, pastor, people rioting versus missiles. I get it for sure. There's no question. They're two different things. But it's the equivalent of being, um, if we were here in Denver and it happened down in Pueblo, you wouldn't know other than if you saw it on the news right there. It just, for both Arabs and Jewish people, one thing is a common denominator, the tourist dollar is critical. And neither of them are out to attack tourists. Now they'll go after each other, but not tourists. So it's a situation where we've taken all of our children, now we're working on taking our grandchildren to it, so I've got several more trips I need to do. Um, But we wouldn't put our children and grandchildren in in jeopardy, let alone the people in our church. And so I just, I guess taking advantage of that just happening, I had several people that emailed me and said, hey, are you okay? And I actually wrote back and said, okay, for what? And it wasn't until I got home that night that I realized, ah, I see what's what's going on here. So if you are at all interested, and I'll just say it one more time, it's not a vacation. If you want a vacation, get a cruise, (laughs) go to Hawaii, Pick some place that's, that, that's more attuned to that idea right there. So one of my friends, um, Ed Sheila, sitting out here, I see him shaking his head. He was there with me. Um, it's a spiritual journey. It's a pilgrimage. It's not a place to go and sleep in till 10 and then party all day and, and rock and roll all night. It's a place to go and experience where Jesus 
will come very alive to you in a new way, where the Holy Spirit fell on the church, where the miraculous that you read about suddenly is not a story in your mind centuries ago, but you're standing in the place where they brought Jesus in front of Pilate. And you can see the pavement stones where the soldiers threw the dice to bet on who gets his garment. I can take you and show you. And it's not, the word, the word magical is not the right idea. The word supernatural is the right idea. The hair on your arms will stand up. And it just is this, this surreal experience of like, I, I believed it, but now I, I'm, I'm seeing it. And it is a, it's a fantastic thing. So I can't encourage you enough. We personally, this is just the truth and imagine, you, you go someplace over and over and over again. There's not a lot of new that we see when we do it, but Daniel, Daniel pegged it. Our joy is taking people that have never seen it and watch their hearts open up and experience God in a new way. And that's our joy in it to this day. And as long as I have people that want to experience that, I will, I will make that trip with people. I feel it's one of the greatest things I can do as pastor is to help people grow spiritually in ways that sometimes we don't think about how I could grow. It's a dynamic opportunity. And so if you're interested, next Saturday uh, here uh, at Jubilee, we'll do that meeting. Okay, um, go ahead and grab your notes. We'll just jump into this. So on the trip, um, sort of two-thirds of the way through the trip, we're in Jerusalem, and uh, there's a day where the group leaves Jerusalem and heads down to a place called Masada, down to the Dead Sea, uh, down to En Gedi and Qumran, where they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, it's a really neat experience. But for Chris and I, at that point in the trip, we actually take that day off, and we let the leadership that's with us take the group with the guide. It gives them a chance to kind of come up into their own and begin trying to teach and to lead. And Chris and I take a break so that the very last part of the trip, we're at our best and our strongest for people. So it's kind of a rest day for us, but it's a rest day with a purpose. And so last year when we did it, 2018, um, we got up, we had breakfast, and we were just sitting out overlooking the old city of Jerusalem, talking about just what is God doing in our lives? What is God doing in our church? What are we experiencing right now? And, and as we were praying, we really felt like the Lord had a word for us. Now, when I say that, what do I mean by that right there? No angel came down. Okay, no fire, there was no burning bush, there was nothing, nothing like that. We were reading our Bible, and this is what makes the Bible different than every other document, more than ink and paper, more than just parchment that you're reading. The Bible is a, a live document. And, and when God suddenly breathes into it, you can be reading it, and you could have read this, this particular verse or chapter all your life. You could have read it a thousand times, and suddenly when the Holy Spirit breathes on it, it's called inspiration, and it just comes alive. Has that ever happened to anybody in this room? Yes. It's almost as though God just grabs your face and pulls you to the page. Look at this. And it begins to speak to you, and it enters into your soul, and it's, it, 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 it tattoos it on your brain. That's a modern slang for some of you, right? Right, <laughs> Trying to reach that next generation down. I think I'm funny. So, um, so as we're doing this, the Lord gave this, this word to us. And I felt like it wasn't just a word for Chris and I, but it was a word for our church in space and time. So that when I came back from the trip in 2018, I shared this scripture. It's Genesis 47, 27. 
And I just said, I felt like this is a guiding scripture for what's going to happen in 2019. 2018, for those that have been around our church, 18 was a very difficult year in many, many ways, uh, both personally inside of our family, uh, publicly in transitions that we were having to make and things that we were, we were dealing with. And uh, I felt like, honestly, I felt like when we crossed the finish line in 2018, I felt like instead of running across the finish line, we sort of limped across the finish line. Have you ever been there in your life? We didn't, we didn't come across full of energy. We, we could say we survived is probably the best way to say it. Have you ever just felt like you survived it? Yes. So we got across 2018, coming to 2019, and I felt like the promise of the Lord was, John, I'm going to reward you for being faithful in the difficult things. And so in 2019, I felt like it was a bigger word for, for, for not just Chris and I and our family, but for our church. This was, there were four things in this one verse that the Lord told us. So I'll read it real quick. Meanwhile... The people of Israel settled in the region of Goshen in Egypt. There, they acquired property. They were fruitful, and their population grew rapidly. Another word for that is that simply they multiplied. So the four things that I felt like the Lord gave to us as sort of a signpost for where you're going in 2019. And when I said coming into 2019, this is what I feel like. So let me just make this very quick. I, I don't think that I meant... It, for the next 365 days, here's what God is doing. What I met was beginning in 2019, here's the season that we're entering into, right? So here's what I like about the promises of God. I don't think they're limited to 365 days. Yeah. I think we enter into a season. I want the season to last for 30,650 yeah. days. Anybody else? Yeah. You know, that's it's a season that God brings us into. So the four things from that, one, you might want to write it in. It says that they settled Goshen. So just real quickly, uh, the region of Goshen is on the Nile, uh, the, that delta, that peninsula, if you, if you know geography, where the Nile empties into the Red Sea right there. Um, it, it's a very fertile place. And that's where most of the Egyptians had settled during the time when they were building the pyramids. Um, so it's a place where naturally, because the water flowed there, it's a greener area surrounded by desert. And so they were settling in that. And so then when, when, when the Hebrews, when the Israelites ended up in Egypt through Joseph, um, they were looking for where do we settle. The Egyptians gave them a piece of property called Goshen. And Goshen was undeveloped. Now, it's in that region of where that Nile Delta is. So the potential, listen to my words real quick. The potential for it to be fruitful is there. But the Egyptians did not give the Israelites something that was developed and ready to go. They gave them a blank piece of ground with potential. And when God operates in our life, seldom does he give us something that's already done. He gives us something with potential and then expects us to apply our faith in the situation. Does that make sense? So, so many times we're praying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. And, and without ever articulating what we mean by that, what we really mean is, God, give me something that's already done that I don't have to fight for. I don't have to work hard. I don't have to put the effort in. Just let me come into it. I, 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 an easy chair and an iced tea would be perfect in this right here. And that's not how God works, is it? God will give you something with the potential to be blessed, and he wants to see your faith, your activity, coupled with his presence. Those things bring about the blessing in your life. 
So he gives them this area called Goshen, and here's what they did. They ended up in this area. They develop it. It becomes so prosperous that many years later, the Egyptians became jealous of what they gave the Israelites, and they wanted it back, and that's when it begins to turn into slavery for Israel. And seldom do we connect the idea. When they first ended up in Egypt, they didn't come in as slaves. They came in as favored guests. But they grew so rapidly, and they multiplied so incredibly, and God's blessing was on them that they, they superseded the Egyptians, and the Egyptians became threatened by the blessing of God. So can I just say to you sometimes, sometimes people just dislike you, not because something's wrong with you, but because God's favor is on your life. I just said something really good that you may or may not have picked up. And so you're thinking to yourself, what can I do so that they like me? So now you have a choice. Give up God's blessing. Or curry their favor. Always pick God's blessing. So Jesus said if they dislike me, they'll dislike you too. And sometimes there's reasons for that. You become a threat to the enemy. You become a threat to the enemy. So they settled Goshen. Uh, let me just give the other three real quickly, and then I'll, I'll comment. The second thing, it said they acquired property. This is interesting simply because uh, in that day and in that time, Egyptians only could acquire property. Foreigners could live within the area, but they weren't the landlords. The Israelites are so prosperous that they're buying up the properties, and they become the landlords to the Egyptians. Again, how about this? God can make you the landlord to your enemy. That was the amen. <laughs> Here, here's the third thing. It said that they became fruitful. And what is fruitful? What does, what does that mean? That means to be blessed, not just in... When we pray, God bless me, so many times we're thinking, God bless my finances or bless my health. To be fruitful, listen to this definition... To be fruitful is actually the connection to shalom, which is to be whole in your mind and in your spirit and your body. God wants you to be whole in all areas of your life. So when we pray, God bless me, how about this? If all he did was bless your finances, but you're sick, that's not fruitful. If he blessed your health, but your mind is just simply always worried and you're always under it and you're dealing with discouragement and depression and, 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 and anxiety is, is your closest companion, that's not fruitful. John, fruitful is when you're blessed here and you're blessed here and you're blessed here. How many want to be blessed like that? Yes. That's, that's fruitful. And then the last one, it just said that they grew rapidly and another word for that is that they multiplied so when we read that, I realized the context was for Israel 3,000 years ago. But this is where the Bible is not simply a document that records history. It becomes a living testament to God's spirit still moving in the world today. And when we read it, we heard the Lord say, this is what I want to do for you. But you wasn't Chris and I. You is us. It's us. So the Lord's blessing, we heard in 2019, I want to begin doing these things. We didn't feel like it was a settled issue in 365 days. We felt like coming into 2019, God would begin to do these things. So here's, here's the, the, the context, the, 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 the direction of where my message is. When I looked at it, 
this last time we were there, we just pulled out what we wrote a year ago. We examined it and we asked the Lord, is this still valid? Is this what you're still doing? And what have you done of the four things that I just read to you? Of the four things in 2019, what have you accomplished and what have you yet to accomplish? And I could truthfully say to you as a church, there's only one of the things of the four that I feel like God did for us in 2019, which means that I think 2020 opens up the opportunity for the other things. So what are you doing? I'm trying to give you something to look forward to. Do you know that hope is the most powerful thing in the world? Lose hope and you lose everything. Have hope and no situation is too difficult. Hope, to have hope. Not false hope, real hope. So I feel like of the four things in 2019 that God did for us, I felt like the settled Goshen issue was, I feel like God brought a settling in our church. To have the transitions that we had in releasing campuses, establishing them, getting them going, moving people in and out. Here's the most significant thing that I don't know if you've even considered or if you're aware of or if you've been here long enough to realize all these things have gone on. But normally when, when churches have other churches start out of them, it's not for good reasons. It's bad reasons generally. In our situation, it was good reasons. And the proof of that is that all of the relationships that I had with all of those people and pastors are intact. Those are still my very good friends. Last night till late, late, Dan DeMay and I are texting back and forth with each other. So how do you know the relationship's still good? Because I'm giving him the hardest time I possibly can, and he's giving it right back to me. You know when you're just super nice to each other, something's wrong. So I think that coming into 2020 and further, I think these three things are where God takes us. Acquiring property, being more fruitful, and multiplying, growing rapidly. But let me talk about what I mean for those things. So let me, let me see if I can do it this way real quick. See if you can follow with me. When you consider truth and what truth is, in your mind, is truth simply linear? That God says something that's truthful and truth just simply moves forward on a line through history. That when he said it 3,000 years ago, it was true then, but we've moved on for that. So what was true then may not be true today because we've moved past that. Or is truth not just linear? Is truth multidimensional and encompassing in every area of life? So let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, this was true. The people could not touch a leper because they would become unclean. But Jesus in the New Testament laid his hands on them and healed them so that they became clean. So it was truthful in the Old Testament, you couldn't touch. But in the New Testament, God has more of a way. It's still true, but it's truth that's all-encompassing. Does that make sense? So truth, man, truth stands for all times, but it's not simply linear where 3,000 years ago that applied. So here would be my point. This word that I read to you in Genesis was written 3,000 years ago. Was it only true then, or is truth multi-encompassing so it's still true today? Yeah. Mariah, does that make sense? It's still true today for our lives. So I think that that's how truth works. It's just, it, it, it's so encompassing. It's not just for then and there, but it's for here and now. It's multidimensional. All right, let me just get you there real quickly. Um, I, every year when we come into the new year, I begin to look, what does the Bible say about that particular number? Now, let me explain. Listen to me, listen, if you're taking notes. I'm not talking about numerology. Numerology is the study of numbers to predict the future, and the Bible warns against that. Can I say that any clearer? 
I'm talking about biblical mathematics. Here's what I know about God. God is not simply linear, but multidimensional, so that when God says something, it usually has multiple meanings. Not different meanings, but multiple ways to say the same thing. And if you'll dig, you'll find God's treasure if you're willing to dig. Does that make any sense? So that when God gives a date or a name or a place, it's not just a name, a date, or a place. There's another meaning underneath it that if you'll dig, you'll see God reconfirming his word in your life over and over. There's just so many promises. If you're willing to dig, you'll find them. Let me show you a sweet scripture. Um, uh, You guys are ahead of me. You're going to have to find. uh, Here's here's the scripture that I want right here. Uh, Find Proverbs 25.2 for me. There you go. Who? Who are you? How did you do that so fast? Let's just real quickly. Yes. Yes. All things are possible. Only believe. Right there. Proverbs 25.2. It is God's privilege to... What's the word? So one more time. It's God's privilege to... And the king's privilege to... God conceals treasure. Open up. Smile at me real quick. Okay, come on. God conceals treasure all through his word. It's his delight to do so. Why? Because he's looking for people that want to pursue him. If your idea is the big easy chair and the iced tea, you'll never find the treasure. It's only for those who will go after it, who want to pursue. Jesus with his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, he comes to that mountain with all of the disciples, but only... John, and Peter, and James walked to the top of the mountain with him. Look, many disciples follow Jesus, but when it comes to having to hike to the top, only a few are willing to go there. Are you one of the few? Will you pay the price? Will you hike to the top? Will you dig deeper? Will you go after it? There's hidden treasure in that. All right, so, so in looking at the age of our church, we're going to be 22 years old. We're coming into 2020. I'm just studying, okay, what, what are, are there meaning? God, you have dual meanings here and dual ideas. There's this really sweet book that I have called Biblical Meaning of Numbers from the number one through the number 40 by a doctor named Stephen Jones. He's a square guy, uh, not in a square bad way, but just upright. Man, I'm giving away my age there. Like, you're the square. Uh, so the Biblical Meaning of Numbers from 1 to 40 by Stephen Jones. It's a wonderful book. If, you, if you're a studier, you should buy that book. You can get it on Amazon. It's really fun to read. But all the guy does is just go through the Bible, and he looks at numbers that are repeating throughout the Bible, and what the meaning, what's, what's the further meaning of the number? So this is really cool. In looking up these two numbers, 20 and 22. So the church is going to be 22, but we're coming into 2020. Putting the two things together, uh, this, is, this is really sweet, right? Uh, the two things together in Hebrew are kaf bet, And here's what it means. It means to be fruitful and to multiply. So what were two of the promises in Genesis that I just read to you? Can you guys pull that back up real quick? It's that first part in Genesis. Now the fill in the blanks. Go to the fill in the blanks real quick. Okay, yep, back up, back up. Go one more. Acquire property, then say it. Fruitful, and the next one is to multiply. And so if God only has done the first one for it, are you staying with me on this? Yeah. What more do I? 
I'd go further, but it's not very pleasant. Um, <laughs> thank you, Ryan. <laughs> so I just think that there's so many hidden things here that God's trying to... So I'm just trying to pull the lid back a little bit and have you, have you peer inside of it. Okay, uh, so Pastor, you know, you get on this number thing and I kind of get lost in it. So let me give you a great example. So we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The first three are called the Synoptics because they all sort of agree from a point of view. John's Gospel is a little bit different in that he doesn't start it where the other writers started at. He starts it after Jesus is an adult. And he writes basically about the three years of Jesus' ministry from 30 to 33. And he tells uh, some details that the other ones leave out. So, you know, how, when, when people go, Pastor, there's the problem with the Bible in that it, it contradicts itself. <laughs> Where did you hear that at? CNN? <laughs> so it's the equivalent of if I put a person on that side of the room, a person on that side of the room, a person there, and a person there, and we have an activity in the middle, they all see it from different points of view, yes or no. And so when they write it, they write it from seeing it over there, from seeing it back there, from seeing it back there, and seeing it back there. And in fact, in one of them, Luke, Luke was not a firsthand witness. He even says, I wasn't there, but I went and met all the people who were there, and so I'm writing from their account of what happened. So when we say it contradicts, how does it contradict? It contradicts from the idea that people are sharing it from their point of view, but the crux of the story is the same. All right, so that's my soapbox. Let me get off. John tells this great story that after the resurrection, but before the ascension, Jesus was going around and revealing himself to different people. There were over 500 witnesses that Jesus revealed himself to after the resurrection and before the ascension into heaven. One of the times that he reveals himself to the disciples, they, after the resurrection... But before they realized that he was alive, they had gone back fishing. They were fishermen, and they went back to... They have no other means for support now. So they go back fishing. And they're fishing all night long, about 100 yards off the shore in the Sea of Galilee. They fished all night long, and they haven't caught one thing. Any fishermen in the... You know it's a true story right there. You know it's a true story. So they're fishing. They're frustrated. They've done it all night. They're tired. And suddenly Jesus is standing on the shore. They're about 100 yards apart. He's kindled a fire. He's going to make them breakfast. And he yells out to them. They don't recognize him. They yell, he yells, hey, fellas, have you caught anything? And I think just out of like uh, another tourist. No, we haven't caught anything. Throw the nets on the other side of the boat. Can you hear what they would have said to each other? Oh. <laughs> Who does this guy think he is? He's not going to leave us alone. Humor him. Throw him on the other side of the boat. That's what they actually say. No, we haven't caught anything. And you really don't understand because you're not a fisherman. But so you'll leave us alone. We'll throw it on the other side of the boat. So they throw it over. Anybody remember the story? What, they catch so many fish that the nets can't hold it. When they finally pull it in, they count the fish. Does anybody remember the number? What, say it. 153. 153. All right, so just real quickly. Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't record this at all. But John records the story, but not just the story. He records the number of fish. Why? 
Why? So you're, maybe you're just like, who cares why? You're missing the deeper treasure that if you'll dig and study and find, numbers have meaning. All right, in Hebrew, see if you can follow me real quick, I'll try to teach this. Every number also has an alphabetic representation. So numbers can spell sentences. In Hebrew, you read from right to left. If you take the number 153 and you say it in Hebrew, assigning to the number its alphabetic value. Listen to this. The number 153 means I am Lord. As soon as Jesus has them catch the fist, they count them and they realize they would have instantly caught it. And how do we know? Because Peter looks up after catching the fish and shouts out loud, it is the Lord. <laughs> Suddenly, they see him because they dug and found the treasure. So Peter dives in the water. Do you remember the last time he's with Jesus and he goes in the water, what happened? He walked on. I wonder if he thought. He swims as fast as he can. The other guys row as fast as they can. They get to the shore. And all of a sudden, man, they have the reunion with Jesus where he charges them again. Peter, do you love me? Are you guys still with me? And the revelation that I am Lord, numbers are significant. Am I making a point to you? Do you get it? So that when we look at numbers of what we're entering into, you can just go, it's a big deal, 22. That's eh, not 25. Is 22 significant and 2020 significant? And I think God's trying to tell us something. And I think that there's a blessing for us that we can look forward to. The mandate given to creation is found in Genesis 1.28. Can you guys go there real quick? Um, then God blessed them and said to them, read this part with me. One, two, three. B and stop. So I'm showing you over and over and over again how it's in scripture. The mandate given to creation, not just Adam and Eve, the mandate given to creation, to mankind, men and women, be fruitful and multiply. So we think multiply is just have more. Pastor, I'll take the fruitful but not the multiply part of it. But you're missing what the point is. It's to be productive. It's to have, like Psalms 1 says, the person who fears the Lord, who puts their life totally in God, everything that they touch prospers. Would you like everything that you lay your hand to, your studies, your marriage, your health, your plans, your future, your vision? Would you like everything that you laid your hand to this year to prosper? Are, are we at a place where we can read the scripture and think, oh, that's neat poetic language, but we've lost the faith to believe God to do something great in our own lives? I had this woman tell me this in the last few weeks. Pastor, it's difficult for me to believe anything great of God because I've been so disappointed in other areas of my life. Better to not have faith and not be disappointed than to have faith and to move forward. He'll give you the land with potential. You've got to have faith. Jesus would ask you, where's your faith? You have little faith. What are we doing? Sitting in a nice service, having the pastor spout a few little thoughts and nuggets over us, and then we go back to our life? Or is this a life-changing, groundbreaking, 
move into the future with expectation God's going to do something great in my life this year. Yes. You're like, well, pastor, I'm just not a charismatic. Ah! <laughs> Get with me, you Baptist. Come on. <laughs> I'm, listen, I was a Catholic kid. They never taught any of these things. <laughs> Nothing happened. We're together in this moment and this time to do what God is doing with us now. Are you there? Are you with me? Listen, what moves us forward is not, there's no sign over the door that we, we go there because the sign is my background that I feel comfortable with. Walk in this room and the only common denominator is that we love and are pursuing Jesus. We love and are pursuing Jesus. Camille's right. It's the name above every name. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. If you think I'm crazy, you're missing it. You're the one who's off the mark. You're the one who's left the past. I love you, but I'm telling you something right now. If you can't agree with me, you're the one who's missing the mark. You. I don't mean that ugly. I'm not like trying to punch at you. I'm trying to pull you. Come on. Come on. Why not you and why not now? Huh. All right. It's normally our communion weekend. Um, and I'm not uh, doing this in lieu. Um, nah, that's not the right words. I am doing it in lieu. Um, I'm not doing this as the new way that we're going to do communion. That's not what it's representing. We will do regular communion, but one of the things that I did for us last year when I taught this message was that um, for Israel, when they celebrate the new year, they take the apples and the honey, and it represents these things. Listen real quickly. Apples are sweet. Honey is sweet. So they are making a statement when they eat it that we believe this to be a double sweet year. Yes. How many of you would love a double sweet year? Okay, yeah. Here, let me show you where I'm at. I got two hands. I want a double, double, double portion this year. Okay, and then they use a scripture from the Exodus where they were commanded to eat the fat and the sweet of the land. So now the fat is not the part that we try to get away from. The fat means the best part. So God's command to them was, as you enter into the new year, I've prepared the best and the sweetest part for you. Can you believe that still? Or is these just nice sounding words for somebody else at another time? It was true then. But truth is not multidimensional in my life. Truth is, um, it's horizontal, pastor, but it's not vertical for me. Friend, I feel sorry for you, if that's your opinion. I don't mean that mean to you. I'll do whatever it takes right now to try to, to push you a little bit, to coax you, to provoke you. Not in a way to upset you, but in a way to move you off high center. If you're stuck, the smartest thing you can do is get unstuck. Why would you build a house where you got stuck? Why would you live the rest of your life in a place where you're stuck? Jesus died so that you don't have to be stuck. 
The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news, to set at liberty the captive. That means to get unstuck, to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up those who are wounded, to open the eyes of people who can't see. And then listen to this last part, Luke 4. To proclaim the year or the season of God's favor. If you think I'm pitching you a softball, you don't know what the good news is. I think it was a month and a half ago I preached a message on what it means to be a martyr. So if this is like your first message, don't go, now that guy just, he's a small Joel Osteen. I don't know where that came from. I, I didn't say it last night. Thank goodness my wife's not here right now or she would be, John, what's wrong with you? I meant no offense. But I'm going to move on. Um, it, is, it is to believe again that his truth spoken and written long ago was not just for then and there, but his truth supersedes space and time and age, and it's still truthful today. And so he gives this thing to you, and the potential is there, but what will you do with it? If you're like, I could believe it if it was already, if it was producing and it was happening, you'll never have anything happen if you're waiting to, to believe it because you see it producing. If it's a word of the Lord, then you must believe it and put yourself there to meet God in space and time. Did I make sense in what I just said? So um, let me just do this. If you don't have this, would you raise your hand real quick and we'll make sure we get one to you. Should have been one on your seat. I want you to participate with this with us. Okay, so pull the lid off real quick. Now, let me just... Um, when, when uh, Daniel and his team put these together yesterday, the honey has made the apple slick, and it's kind of hard to get them out of there. So if you need to just kind of shoot it, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so... Let it be a moment of active faith for you. Let it represent to you believing God for a double sweet year. Believing that your circumstances right now are not greater than the name of Jesus. That what you'll go home to this afternoon doesn't have to define the rest of your 2020. That God is who he said he is. That he'll do what he said he will do. And Jesus... The promises of God are yes and amen. They're for you and they're for now. They're for you and they're for now. So together, to a double sweet year. Would you do me a favor and put the lid back on it? And will you take it with you and throw it away when you leave and help our custodial team out just a little bit? Um, we set the service up to do
two songs in the front and two songs on the end right here so that we could worship. It's only 10 o'clock. And we'll get you out of here in plenty of time. I don't know where they want to take this. Thank you. Um, So stand to your feet, if you will. And rather than just like, hey, I'm back out into the world and about my business, um, can we just use this moment, space and time, let's just worship the Lord. Let's just let him establish in our life, speak to us, uh, fill us, elevate his name above every other name, elevate it above every other situation, elevate it above good and bad. Let the thing that you focus on and that you worship be our King and our Lord. And let this moment in time establish deep inside of your life the direction that 2020 is going to take for you. You're not going the way of the world. And you're not going down the road of deception with the enemy. And you're not going to continue to live with the things of the past. That the promises of God are yes and amen. And your job in this is not to make his promises happen in your life. Your job is to believe his promises. Your job is to simply say yes to God. He doesn't need your help in making anything happen. But what he does want from you is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we show him faith when we just simply say, God, I don't see a way, but you are able to make a way. God... I don't see anything right now substantively changing, but I still believe that you are able and greater and can do all things. Put your faith in it right now. Instead of being afraid, listen to me. Hold off on the music for just a second. Let's bring it way down. This is a word from the Lord. Instead of being afraid, hey, you. Instead of being afraid any longer. Instead of making your decision on a failure from the past. From a disappointment that you didn't plan for. From an interruption in your future. Instead of basing your life on those things. I'm calling you higher right now. Come away. Here's what the Lord would say. Come away, my love. Come away with me right now. Leave those things behind and come with me. Let me show you. Let me teach you. Let me draw you. He's calling to your spirit right now. Come away. Come away. That doesn't mean that you don't go back and have to handle things, but it does mean in this moment in time, he wants to draw you to himself. He wants to wrap his life around you and strengthen you right now. As we worship, shut it all out for a few minutes and come away with the Lord. Okay.